I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another live episode of Resource Real Talk about Louisville Real Estate. I'm Gabe Pruitt. And I'm Jay Pitts. And Jay, who are we joined by today? We have Stephanie Wettstein with us here today. Leader, co-founder, what's what's the title? Help me. Uh, co-owner with Bobby Harding. Co-owner with Bobby Harding of the Kentucky Homes Group at yes. Keller Williams. So another prolific local real estate figure for you. Prolific, we, we, nice. we promise to deliver good content to yeah. our followers. We're once again live on Facebook. It's a little after one o'clock on Wednesday, so we're yeah. trying to keep, you know, a cadence. As you can probably uh, appreciate, working with real estate agents that. Routine is very important. So we're trying to go live. Especially since we're trying to start a new routine. If you're new here, remember we've recently rebooted Resource, and our goal is to bring you the voices of local Louisville real estate leaders to kind of get a unique perspective that's specific to our market. No, so. absolutely. And, and and no one is more qualified to do that than Stephanie. So I'm not, I'm not going to go deep into an introduction of Stephanie. I'm going to ask her a few questions. She can talk a little bit about herself. But, um, you know, we go back, I think it's safe to say, if several years, um, you know, probably competed for a few listings, not like Laura last week. I don't have a great story <laughs> of how you took a listing away from me, but, um, basically, you know, we have done cross sales, worked well together. Um, you know, it's, it's, I've come to appreciate what, what Bobby and Stephanie do and their leadership. And I think we're going to get into team building cool, or rebuilding here shortly, also which is cool. something that I have been through, certainly. And I, I think Stephanie has some very unique um, perspective on that. But I'm curious, just, I mean, t tell me what you're seeing out in the marketplace right now is how's the market in Louisville? Like just a very basic question. What do you think? What do you I think, think you're the seeing? the market in Louisville is still very strong right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it, it, it is, but it isn't, right? Like, I mean, well, certain things are slower than others. The outside counties and areas I've been noticing are slowing down a little bit, like on the listings and stuff. But yeah. Right internally, I'm still seeing a lot move. Oh, absolutely. So. Are there any price points in Louisville that you're seeing slow down substantially? Uh, 300 and above. 300 and above. Yeah. And that's so. that's exactly what we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm having the conversation. I, I think you and I probably equally spend time on both sales and mentorship. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair to say, right? Mm -hmm. So we're always coaching our agents up. Um I spent several hours this morning talking about listing presentations and things like that. So are you prepping your agents on how to have those difficult conversations and what, like anything that, um, like if they have a listing that's 300 mm -hmm. and up and it's sitting, whereas six months ago it might've sold instantly. Yes. So, um, we always prep them for that. We have a weekly follow-up plan with our sellers anyways, Yeah. that basically goes ahead and when it's at that point, they already the seller's already prepped enough to know sure. that we're going to have to pull that down. Um, so I try to set them up from the beginning like that, yeah. so that they're not coming in, you know, three or four weeks later and having to say, "Hey, this is what's going on." Um, so in that initial appointment, you know, I show them the trends and I have them show them the trends like, "Hey, this is probably going to come down. If it doesn't move right now, we're starting to see a slowdown on stuff." So. Yeah. Do, do your agents shy away like mine do? Do they shy away from the difficult conversations? Yes, all the time. I mean, isn't that human? Yes. 
right? Like, I don't think it's unique to real estate agents in general. No. I just think it's really, it's really impactful and it's very, it's very obvious in our business, right? Like the, the difficult conversation is like one of the best skills that you can develop as an agent, I think, mm-hmm. personally, getting those price reductions, dealing with the unrealistic expectation, even if you said the right thing up front, mm-hmm. right? I told, I, <laughs> I use the example, Gabe, you'll appreciate this. Okay. I use the example with a couple of the agents that um, I was in the, in the training with just before we started recording today, and I use the snooze button analogy. Gabe knows I hate the snooze button. Do you like mm. the snooze button? I do. You do? But I'm trying not to. Everybody hits. I read the five-second rule just recently, there and you I'm go. like, okay, yeah. I can't use the snooze button so, anymore. <laughs> so everybody hits the snooze button, uh-huh. myself included. But everybody also knows that when you hit the snooze button, you're making a decision that's less than optimal, right? Mm-hmm. And what I basically told the agents was that most sellers know when they overprice their house that they're hitting the snooze button. Like they're sure. doing something that they know they shouldn't. And if you allow them to do it, they sure as hell will. And then they'll blame you for it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just wanted to do it. So, all right, let's, let's, let's get in, let's get into this. So talk to me about 2017. Number one. Okay. So how many hundreds of homes have you, I mean, like, a thousand in your uh, career? Over a thousand, about fifteen hundred between Bobby and I and the team over the last. Um, yeah. I've been in the business about ten years. I think he's okay. been in right around that time. So. Okay, so when I said prolific, I meant it. She sold fifteen hundred homes in her career. Okay, so this is not coming from nothing. Right. She has some experience for sure. Um, some substantial experience. Um, so, fifteen hundred homes of experience. Best year was twenty seventeen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the volume on volume and sales, transaction size, GCI, all that stuff? What, uh, what's so that? 2017, we closed 236 units, uh, 42 million in volume, and we did, uh, I think, right around 1.2 million in GCI. 1.2 million in GCI. I mean, that's, so that's a lot. That's a killer year. Okay, and 2017 was a phenomenal year in real estate. But something happened then. Something changed. Yes. What changed? At the end of 2017, uh, we pretty much lost our entire team. <laughs> wow. So, okay. When you say um, lost, what do you mean? <laughs> they were dropping like flies. I okay. Mean, we were, Why know, did they one, leave? Um, part of it was, you know, Bobby and I, we've been a fairly new team. So we've been together about four and a half years. Um, and 2017 was really our first year, I feel like, where we were really making, you know, leaps and bounds on putting stuff together. And so part of it, I think, was leadership, the lack okay. of opportunity. You know, where do you go from here? We didn't really, we couldn't put that vision out there. Right. So um, I think that was a lot of it. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that because, you know, I've, we talked about it a little bit before we went live today. I've been through something similar and I personally accept responsibility for it because I do believe that the bulk of it was leadership. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, you can hear all the great movie quotes, attitude reflects leadership, <laughs> et cetera, and so forth. Like, you know, it, it really is. If I was a better leader, and my, mine happened in 2015, mm-hmm. um, if I'd have been a better leader, then I would have, my, my team wouldn't have fallen apart. Or just a different kind of leader, even. Better. Okay. I mean, maybe. I was trying to give you an out. I mean, but it's thank like, you. Thank yeah. you. But I don't, I mean, I don't deserve that grace. Okay. Like, frankly, a I'm. A more learned leader. Learned, for sure. Yeah. I mean, more experienced. Sure. Like, I'd, I, I had. I hadn't I had no bumps and bruises. Like everything was clear skies and smooth sailing before 2015. And I really encountered some very human, you know, needs and wants and desires out of the people that I was tasked with leading, people that I accepted responsibility for leading. And I, I mean, I think that they're, they're not perfect people. 
right? It's not like they don't have their own issues. They do. But ultimately, the leader's responsible. So enlighten me, if you would, if you're comfortable sharing. Like, what, what do you feel like you could have done better? Oh, there's so much we could have done better. <laughs> um, one of the things, we didn't have really great systems in place at that time. Yeah. Um, another thing, we were just, you know, we were just hiring people left and right, um, bringing them in, and we were kind of learning as we went. Right. And so um, we also treated them more like a family, which we always want that family environment. But sometimes... Sure. You know, you, you have to step out and be a leader gotta at that point. Got to have boundaries. And not mix the personal and the business. And, um, you know, when you start doing that, you just start seeing things Excusing flaws and, and uh-huh. allowing mistakes. And, and, you know, and we would cater. You know, we would try to change to make somebody happy when in reality we should have just stuck to our standards. And, you know, yeah. here's our vision. So Yeah. So, okay. Um, you mentioned earlier you didn't know how to give them direction once they reached a certain point. Mm-hmm which I think is a very, very, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that all team leaders deal with. Your agents with just time in the business will ultimately mature in, in some way, shape, or form. And a certain percentage of them are bound for success, and they're going to mature, and they're going to outgrow you if you don't provide an opportunity for them to grow with you. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, how did that look? I mean, did, did somebody outgrow your team? Um, several outgrew our team. We had some wonderful agents. I mean, they were, um, you know, just unfortunate to be in the mix of a very young and immature leaders. So, um, <laughs> hey. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. We, um, we went through tremendous growth from that, and actually losing that team probably uh, was one of the best things that could have happened. So, um, but yeah, we didn't have growth opportunity really. We had, you know, okay, what are they going to do? Keep selling and selling and running and running and running as a buyer's agent. And that's all that's ever going to happen. Um, we just didn't have a lot of insight, you know, buyer's agent. Uh Did you restrict? We did restrict that. Yes. Do you now? Now we have where they can do a little bit of both. Okay. So we have guidelines with it, selling so many homes, and then you can start doing some, you know, your others. Sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marcy's laughing. Yeah. Marcy's behind the camera. Um, so, okay. So there's just so much, so, so many directions we can go with this. So talk to me then about, you said it's the best thing that happened. So talk to me about your business now, what you've learned and how you've matured as a leader. So one of the things that I didn't mention, you know, we talked about 2017 being the best year. Yeah. As in volume all of that but when it came to profit Bobby and I were not paying attention to really what we were spending out and doing you know we had all this stuff coming in and so we're sitting here thinking we're doing fantastic Um, so that's another piece of the puzzle is we were just like running and gunning and not paying attention to our financials okay Um, so the difference now is we're looking at that um, to the, the hiring process. We've gotten a lot pickier in the hiring process. For agents? For agents. Okay. And, um, you know, and really looking for agents that have that growth mindset. Um, before it was just, you know, if, if they looked like they were going to be great, they could come on the team, they could work. But um, we're really looking for ones that want the opportunities and growth because now we feel like we can provide it. And we, okay. have a, we have a good game plan for them, and they see it up front. Okay, so, so, so let's take a step back. Finances. Mm-hmm. So 1.2 in GCI. Mm-hmm. Okay. And expenses got out of hand. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's profit look like? 
You don't have to say if you don't want to. Um, you can say honestly, bad. You can say good. Bobby's the numbers person with exact, so okay. I couldn't really. But don't profit, give me specifics. But profit Just, now, like 2018 was our most profitable year, okay. and we're on track to be the same with less units. And okay. Did ideas. you say? Did you say what 2018 production was? Um, we did 34 million in volume um, versus, and we had four. Well, me and Bobby and two other agents. So 2018 was how much in volume? Uh, 2018 was 34 million in volume. Okay, and 2017, the best year in it terms of production. It was 42 million in volume. 42, okay, so mm -hmm. let's let's step back. 42 million, 1.2 in GCI in 2017 with how many agents? Um, at the height, we had about 12. 12. And we did have some turnover through there, but our and our main core group, I would say we had, I think we had six in the main core. Okay, so then come fast forward to 2018, mm -hmm. 34 million in volume, so down mm -hmm. a third, down 25%. Mm -hmm. Down 25% of volume, down 25% in GCI probably, mm -hmm. okay? And more profit. Yes. With how many agents in 2018? Two agents and then me and him, so four. Four. Mm -hmm. So really two. Yeah. Two agents other than yourself. Yeah. So your, your, your 2017 looked like leadership, marketing, training, mentorship, not as much selling, couldn't possibly have been, mm -mm. okay? I, I mean, I would imagine that you had a moment, and correct me if I'm wrong, I had this moment, so I'll, I'll speak from, from experience. You had this moment where you realized you weren't making any money, yeah. and then you started selling your face off to try and make, turn the year profitable. Yes. And that probably happened about this time of the year, which is the worst time to have that realization, because you come up for air after June, July, August, or May, June, July. Yeah. Close a bunch of deals in August and think, oh man, we've had a good year. Wait a minute, I didn't make any money. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's really, <laughs> so. I mean, just being honest, we've, no, everything we've learned has been from a lot of mistakes. Your, your, trans, so. your transparency is very much appreciated. Yeah. I know anybody watching the show will appreciate that because success doesn't always look like you think it's going to look. Mm -hmm. So for me, I had 2015, we did 365 deals. We did 56 million. Okay. Um, you know, with six agents, six highly productive agents that like were crushing it. And I had a shoestring budget, so I was extremely profitable, extremely profitable in my best year. The problem is, is I didn't account for what was next for those agents that had had a ton of success. Okay, I, I started a brokerage in hopes, 2015, right? I started a brokerage in hopes toward the end of that year of retaining those agents. But the truth is, is I wasn't able to. Mm -hmm. and, and I hadn't had enough foresight um, to be able to do that. So they left and my next year was the, it was the real enlightening year for me because I had to shoulder all the production burden because I had no team. I had three, I went from six, closing an average of 50 a, 50 a year a piece. Yeah, huge. Plus my personal production to three brand new agents that didn't even know how to write a contract. So you had to completely 180 on your the method of training, how much you had to make yourself available to the agents. Cause think about how much that changed for you. You had to have basically an open door where before you were letting people run free but, and you didn't have to worry about it. And, and beyond that, Gabe, I run free. They didn't require anything. Yeah. They didn't require anything. And I had to pick up the slack on all the sales. So, you know, I learned a lot. Well, both of you have talked a little bit about learning a lot through these kind of rebuildings of the team. What I would like to know, and Jay, I bet I can guess some of your answers for this because I was there. He, but, knows, he knows me. Uh, 
I would love to hear from you. If you were going to pass on one piece of information to someone who's found themselves in the same situation now, maybe a small team, medium-sized team leader who's watching the exodus kind of begin Mm -hmm. of some of their seasoned agents who are going to, you know, greener pastures, what would you say is the one thing that you learned, maybe even a little too late, that you would pass on and say, this is the one thing you should know if you need to build a team that's going to actually thrive and succeed? Okay, so if you're starting to see it go downhill, and you're because once it starts going downhill, there's a lot of um, cancer. Okay. Um, we probably would have actually cut it earlier in the year instead of letting it just do a slow die, and then turned around and had our systems and processes really in place and um, paid a lot more attention to how we were hiring, like what we were seeing for their future and stuff up front. So another thing I'm interested Brilliant. to know when you talk about kind of cutting, right? You're kind of cutting people <laughs> off. Would you advocate for making an opportunity for agents that weren't a great fit for your team anymore to stay with your brokerage as independent agents on their own? Or were you looking for specifically, this is the team you're either, if you're part of the brokerage, you're part of the team and you do what the team does. No, absolutely. I think that, um, I'm big on trying to keep them within the brokerage. I think, you know, we have a fantastic one. And also there's been times on our team where somebody doesn't fit with us. Um, and we know it very quickly. And so we'll, you know, call some of the other team owners and say, hey, do you want to interview them, take a look at them, see if, you know, they're going to be a better fit. Because just because they're not doing great on our team doesn't mean they're not going to go to another team and do phenomenal. Sure. So what's and your experience with that? that's the same with brokerages as well. Well, so, well, I mean, I don't know, Gabe. I think it, 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 there's, a, there's a right situation for everyone. You know, for me, I like what Stephanie said about preempting. Okay. Being in front of it, yeah. Being in front of it because... It's worse if you wait, okay? The, it, the, it takes a long time, okay, to correct the issues that you allowed to fester if, if you don't get out in front of them. It really does. And, and at the same time, like, you know, I, I'm sitting here looking at, looking at Phil's, you know, comment about yeah. no team. Yeah. <laughs> N- number one, I will say, it was not no team, Phil. Thank you very much. It was... <laughs> It was three amazing people that are still a part of this organization. That and are the now fa- they are seasoned that are vets. That are yeah. the foundation of what we've built. Absolutely. Okay. But like everything I had known about having a team up until that point had changed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, Phil, I hope you're still watching. Okay. <laughs> Glad you're still with us. So, and I know he's joking with me. But the point is, the point is, is as a leader, you know where... You know what you know and you know what you don't know, okay? I was too proud to admit certain mistakes at the time that this all happened to me. You know, I was too proud at the moment to say that I sucked as a leader. And I make no bones about that now. I will be completely transparent. But I'm anxious to hear what you have to say about this. When I started seeing it moving in the wrong direction, I felt like I had a duty to try to correct it though I knew it probably couldn't be corrected. Okay? So I felt like it was my responsibility to try, despite the fact that the beginnings had led me down a path that probably wasn't able, able to be salvaged. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. As a leader, do you, did you feel that way? Well, yeah, and that's why we held on, you know. As long as you as did. As long as we did. So, um, it's, so it's hard. Because I take responsibility, you know, and I felt like I'd let down every single person that was on that team because I wasn't, when, when they're not doing well or when something's going wrong or when they're unhappy, like I take full responsibility on that. Yeah. So I do feel like that's a duty. Like we need to try to correct it and do this. Um, the problem is. <laughs> I'm reading Phil. Phil says your words, not mine. I love it. <laughs> the problem is, is if it's a, 
you know, if it's a production-wise or just not growth, that's one thing. But when it becomes something where it becomes toxic because all of a sudden, you know, they're just not liking or jiving with, with you or someone on the team anymore. You know, sometimes yeah. there's those conflicts, internal conflicts yeah. on the team. And once that happens, if you don't make a change quickly, yeah. you're going to find everybody like yeah. that. So I, fe I, felt, I felt pressure to not do what I knew needed to be done because mm -hmm. of expectations I had set. Yeah. And I set them not being a good leader is basically what it boils down to. And I reacted, you know, I reacted in ways, you know, Phil's a great example. Phil joined the team and was forced to do things to be a part of this team that probably weren't unfair to him. Mm -hmm. But what he's had the opportunity to do is set himself apart because of the things that he did, the sacrifices he made during that time that's allowed him to ascend to a leadership role within the organization that a lot of people probably wouldn't have had the same opportunity. Yeah just by sheer fact that he joined the team at a certain time, you know? I mean, and that's the thing, like, and all that, it goes back to a reflection of leadership. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't exactly know that this is where we were gonna go, and I don't mean to harp on it, mm -hmm. but I thought it was really refreshing. Um, I see so many leaders not wanna take responsibility, and I feel ashamed that I was one of those at one time. And now I make it. A, I make it a point, and I think it, most of the people here would agree that I take full responsibility for all of our failures. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. That's that's. Um, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Really cool that you said that. And and that's the thing, you know. Good leaders also are very comfortable sharing the successes. So I bet you feel great now, with the team that you have. Yes. Allowing them to receive the accolade that they probably deserve. And I don't know, you seem to me like you're happier for being in the place you're in now versus then. Yes. Is that fair to say? Uh -huh. So, okay, so what's next? So how many agents now? Uh, we currently have um, six total with me and Bobby, so four additional so agents. And four. then we have a part-time who also does um, is admin and okay. part-time, and then we have our full-time administrative person. Okay, so where now? Well, we're just taking you, it day by day and continuing the slow building slow build. process. Yes. And then also um, the agents, you know, the agents that we hired in, they have a vision for big. They have a very large vision for big. And we, so we have them on the path of, okay, how are we going to get there? And what does that look like? And yeah. um, we have some great things in store for them when nice. they start hitting it. So that's what we're working on is just, you know, getting them up to that spot. So so productivity per agent is the focus now, not growing agent count? Absolutely. Okay, but if if let me do you do you have a size like if that you would stop? So, would you ever go back to 12 agents? Yes, I would, would potentially. So, if we do it correctly. So, one of our rules of thumb, we were trying to do, you know, um, only make a hire every 90 days. So, that's interesting. It I gives, like that. It gives you time with that agent to really get them going. Now, if there's true talent that comes across, and we've already done it once this you year. You abandon that policy. We abandon it and then we <laughs> pop them in because you don't let talent go. Um, no. And so if you, you see something it. with true talent, you you know you pop them in and you figure it out. But that's so yeah. So right now there's no plans for really. We're not looking actively. Um, but if somebody falls in our lap, yeah, absolutely, we'd go ahead and... So I want to jump in here real so. quick, too, because something I think about that I hear you talk about a lot, Jay, is this policy of all of the right ones, none of the wrong ones, right, when we talk about growing the team. My question for you is going to be, and you've already kind of answered this, but uh, do you have any fears associated with growing your team, especially as someone who's seen a team kind of like blossom and then implode and then a new team come together? Do you have any fears of growing your team to a size where it's like you're afraid that some of the wrong people are going to make it in the group and you're going to see it all happen again? Or do you want to grow? Um, 
That fear is, I think, always going to be in there, but I think that we can recognize it so much faster now and just make the, you know, I, I used, I, like I said, I didn't want to let people down. I did not like when people didn't like me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't like to make those hard decisions. And, um, but now I think we saw what happens when you don't do that. So, yeah. um, so it doesn't scare me as much. Right. Cause Jay, I feel like for you, there was kind of a moment where the team got to a smallish medium size and plateaued there for a little while. And you kind of had to come to terms with the fact that if we want this thing to really 10 X, yep. you got to commit to bringing on new people, which can be scary sometimes when the culture is like established, which I do want us to talk about team culture later too. Well, but. there's, there's Gabe, there's a thing. Yeah. I know you saw me smirk when, when, when she answered the question exactly like you probably knew I wanted her to answer yeah. it. <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, yeah. All the right ones and none of the wrong ones. That's my philosophy. Mm-hmm. That's, I make no bones about it. I want all of the right people. And that's the brokerage too. You know, I I have no I have no goal in terms of Number. team team size, brokerage size. Mm-hmm. Like I want you know, I have income goals, I have production goals. I think you know, I think our culture is extremely important, and I you know I, that word makes me cringe a little bit because it's just so overused. But, sure. But the point is, you know, you are the sum total of what everyone brings to the table. And we have such a great culture because of the people that we have involved. Everyone has fun. I mean, we're sitting here playing, you know, holiday party video clips this morning of Gabe standing on stage playing a guitar and singing because that's what he is really passionate about. I don't remember how that conversation. I wasn't there when the conversation came up. I just want to. We were telling the new agents about the. Uh, about the band we, yeah we did show a video of you doing some uh, drunken Blake Shelton with Zach I think that, that was really bad that was really bad Blake Shelton is not I think we should stream that on here we should stream yeah, it just add it Gabe probably uh, Marcy Throne and Switcher we could actually do that we could um, let, let me ask you though because now that you're talking about this how much and you can weigh in on this too how much of the aspect of team culture air quotes do you think is the team leader's responsibility do you think it's more the team leader's responsibility to set the tone, or is it your responsibility to manage it, uh, I'm or a, both? I'm going I'm to defer to you on that. <laughs> okay, your responsibility or or not? Um, you know, I think it's a shared responsibility because first of all, we've got to set the precedent for it. Yeah. And second, and we have to pay attention. So if we're watching our our agents, I mean, culture is a big thing, even though the term's overused, but it is. So if you're seeing somebody that's not jiving in that culture within the group. That that's once again one of the indicators that hey, your team probably shouldn't grow anymore until either this is fixed or or that person sure. is. Does your team have like know. stated core values or anything like that, like written down somewhere? Like these are our these are the things that we stand stand I by. I think we have them, but I don't know if we've ever um, went back through them and. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's one of those things. Like I think I have it in the the book, but we we probably should be a little bit better. We've about talked that. about it before. How it's like it's. Um, a, it's we're a, real big though on uh, chatter behind the back. Like we're like if you have a problem that problem comes directly to us. Yeah. And the minute that we hear you complaining about either something we've done or somebody else instead of facing it directly. Yeah, we communicate we're, on we're the done, right? That um yeah, it festers. Yes. That's 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 really I mean one one negative personality, one detractor mm-hmm. can can really really yeah. you know hurt a team setting. And it's you know, my, where I where I stand on this, Gabe, is just that, yes, it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to create an environment where people feel comfortable to be themselves and to celebrate each other's successes and support one another. 
you have to make decisions that invariably lead to that situation. But I can't, I can't bring to the table what you bring to the table or what Marcy brings to the table or what Phil brings to the table. Sure. I can't do that. I can't simulate that. What this team is for us is something I could have never conceived. I could have never expected it to be what exactly what it is, and that's awesome. Well, and that's it's like you said, it's something that you can't really predict what it's going to be like when it grows organically. One thing I do think is the leader's responsibility, and you can tell me what you think about this, is making it very clear to all the members of the team what the expectations are as far as what will fly and what will not fly, right? Like you said, talking about chatter behind the back. Earlier, Jay, you had an agent in here you were talking about we have really specific rules about how we work with each other when it comes to being competing for business because we have a lot of agents and we compete for the same business sometimes and you said listen our team has fun we all like each other but like when it comes to this we have like straight and narrow rules that we don't deviate from and you make that expectation clear from day one well look if you if you step on another team member to get ahead yeah that's how chatter behind the back starts i'm not gonna i'm not i'm (laughs) not gonna let it happen that's what i said what i said earlier is that i need to know that yep and i will take and i will take immediate action and and they say heavy lies the crown, right? Which means I know that a that a decision I make could upset people. True, could make people leave. Also, a decision I don't make almost more dangerous. I think could yes. make someone leave. It's one hundred percent more dangerous. It, yeah, it absolutely yeah. is the the, inabil- the inability to act as a leader is really toxic. So, and those are some of the mistakes I made in the past, and I'll make no bones about it. You know, and and I'm sure I'm sure Stephanie would agree, and it just. You know, you learn. You live and learn because we're just humans. Yes. You know? And and I think our agents forget that sometimes. <laughs> the, they gotta get, it's, we need a little grace, too. <laughs> well, it, it's tough. It is tough. And But when you're accepting responsibility uh-huh. for people's livelihoods. Yes. You know, I remember the first, the first time I really, really hit me when an agent had quit a job to join my team so many years ago. And I, you know, I went to bed one night thinking about how they had no business pending Mm. and, and they were probably at that moment due to receive a paycheck from the job that they just quit. And so they were probably sitting up thinking about it too. And there was no paycheck in sight. You know, it really hit me. Yeah. And you know, it gets easier with time and you realize that, it's not 100% your responsibility that you can only provide opportunity. You can provide mentorship and coaching and encouragement, but you can't do it for them. I mean, there, there are scenarios that you become more comfortable with, but it's really, really heavy. Well, when you talk about it being really, really heavy, this makes me think of another question. Uh, talking about all the responsibilities you kind of have to shoulder as the team leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say to a, a younger team leader or someone that's just has less experience? What would you say is the thing they need to be uh, willing to delegate away first? Because we talk about, you know, understanding the things that you should hold on to the reins for, like you need to have control over. And then you also have to have maybe the more difficult task is releasing some of that control to other small like pod leaders in our instance like within our team or releasing them even to the agents themselves and that can be scary for a lot of really decisive you know leaders who are really highly motivated so what would you say despite yourself you need to be willing to delegate this task away if you want to be successful and you don't want to go crazy I have a very simple answer but I want you to go first you go first no 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 no. he's like I'm saving mine for last I'm the the host I get to go last (laughs) Um, so are you talking about um in terms of like for the agents, like agent specific 
like what we delegate away from on that? Potentially. So say you're the team leader and up until this point, you've been having everybody work as buyer agents and you do all of the listings okay. or, and also you're making sure that everybody's, you know, transactions are tight. And on top of that, you're in charge of the marketing and making sure you know what happens in the Facebook ads and you're just doing too much. You just yeah. need to delegate tasks away. What's the one that people might be afraid to delegate away that you would say, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. As long as you put it to someone you trust. And you'll you'll sleep better at night if you don't worry about it you every have day. Control issues. That's hard. well. That's why. <laughs> that's why I'm asking. Um, so I'm fortunate. I'm going to say because mine is a little different than yours. So Bobby and I we work together as a team. Okay. And so he and I split a lot of that. So he takes you know control of certain things, and I will you know take control of other. So it's things. not a solo effort. Yeah. So it's not a solo effort. So we're a little different in that, and that's one of the things that I really enjoy. So we got some built-in leverage. Yeah, we Great. do have some built-in leverage with two people that are at the top that are have a lot at stake for it so mm -hmm. um we have tried to um create positions where we're not really um paying attention to the buyer's agent as, you know we're not holding them accountable we're not you know making sure that everything's being done we have not seen that go extremely well all the time um because you know nobody does it it's, it's hard to get that same level of buy-in unless there's something really for that person to be bought into sure. and so that's what i'm saying that's kind of like an where our fault was lying in that stuff. Okay. So I don't, I don't think I'm answering your question right. But no, I'm following you. Yeah. So, no, um, yeah. So that's, that's one of my things, like the social media, the listing side of it, things like that. Like we delegate that completely. Like I have a hundred percent trust in both of my admins. They're phenomenal. Yeah. And we were joking about administrative phenomenal. staff when you came in about whether or not teams have enough when they I think mean, they have I mean, I would sell my house and live in a tiny one-bedroom cottage before I would get rid of my Like a Mercedes Sprinter van yes, with like a bed. They, if things started changing. Yeah. Like, they're, they're staying on. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's my biggest thing on delegating is just like that that type of stuff. But what... Well, delegating know, delegating to staff is, is very important. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Delegating to agents is how I'm going to answer that's, the question. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that team leads, and this is probably a and would be an unpopular opinion need to delegate buyer representation to agents first and i don't just mean leads that they convert and work with i mean like business that finds you mm -hmm. that you would normally do mm -hmm. you need to delegate the buyer relationships first okay okay um typically the buyer the buyer relationships that don't have a listing relationship attached Okay. Listing opportunity, let's say. So, so an internet lead, uh, uh, you know, uh, come list me call, but it's like comes through your email because they saw you on Zillow and they think you look like a decent person. I'd like to talk to you and about helping me buy a house, like sure. that kind of thing. Okay, like that needs to get delegated on the on the front end. Okay, yeah. with a a collaborative kind of like presentation that this is how we do things, and Phil is going to take it from here. Yeah. Okay. Once you get comfortable with that, I think you need to do two-sided deals that come in via like lead sources that aren't like closely held referrals or sphere of influence and that kind of thing. And I think really you need to work your way up to delegating your sphere of influence to your top agents. That's got to be incredibly hard. Maybe the hardest of the things you it's said. It's extremely before. hard. Mm -hmm. It's extremely hard. But I mean, Gabe, I've done 19 deals this year. Yeah. All time low, maybe. Out of 270. Yeah. Okay. And the only way you get there is by handing off the business that comes to you to people that you know, like our trusted team members that have shown themselves valuable and capable of handling any situation. And you'll never be the leader that you can be if you're so knee deep in production, 
okay, that you can't get there. Well, let me tell you what this does too, besides just giving you relief and, you know, extra time or maybe extra energy because you're not doing those things. I can't speak from a team leader perspective because I'm not and never have been a team leader. But as an ex-team member, I guess still a team member. I mean, I'm in an administrative role now. I just quit right here on the podcast, guys. (laughs) Drop the mic. No, uh, and from someone from that perspective, what I can say is when you're a leader, what you think you're doing when you're holding on to all these responsibilities is protecting your team. You're like, I'm the person that keeps this thing afloat. If I'm not doing this, I'm laying awake at night thinking about how people aren't getting paid. These people need me to hold on to these responsibilities. Meanwhile, your team members who are itching for more responsibility or they want to feel like they're trusted by you are only allowed to do a handful of things. And they're saying, this guy doesn't even trust me to work yeah. buyer leads. He won't even let me work the Zillow. Lead. He, he thinks he's the only one that can do them. And so he holds on to all of them. So team morale dips while you think you're rescuing your team. And the flip flop of that is when you're willing to do the scariest thing ever, which is give away your own sphere of influence to your top trusted agents. What happens when an agent gets the call that says, Hey, this is your team leader speaking. One of my best past clients who I've sold 10 houses to, they really need help. And you're the person I thought of. And I want you to give them the white. They're like, well, when you really, really gain someone's trust and they build a business attached to you, Mm -hmm. And they feel that reciprocal trust. That's when you have lasting relationships on a team. But and yeah, you're doing that with your clients, and then you're when you're passing your clients on, you can be scared that they're going to think they're not getting the same treatment from you anymore. They're like, oh, Jay doesn't have hey, time for hey, me anymore. When when they're when they're as good as the agents on our team, they see no difference. Yeah, and if your clients believe that, and your agents understand that you're willing to trust them with that, some, team morale goes up. Some special happens then. Trust happens. Better growth happens. I think that's the big takeaway right there. No, it absolutely is because most people think teams are temporary, right? Like any one team, or it's like a training ground before you get launched out on your own. One thing I'll tell you is that is a reality, right? I mean, like you probably expect that you're going to get that. Hey, can we sit down and talk for a minute? Like it's going to, it's common. Like it always happens. Mm -hmm. Like there is no situation where a team member does not consider going out on their own. It does. So you're all constantly identifying new talent, Mm -hmm. developing new talent and building, you know, what's next. Okay. But you know, the truth is, you know, you really, really build trust, like something special happens and, and it, you know, it's, it's a nice thing. Yeah. I think they're laughing at the comments. So, Gabe, it was nice knowing you. Got R.I.P. Gabe, is yeah. that what we're laughing at? Because I apparently just quit. Like, I just resigned and didn't even know it. So, <laughs> all right. Gabe, I think we're just about out of time. Any, any, uh, any parting shots? Stephanie, you've been great, by the way. Yes. Thank you for thank being you here, so too. Thank you so much for, for yeah, donating. Thanks for having me. I was excited to do it. So, I, I think, I think, I Sometimes. love talking about my failures. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think that was the main takeaway from today. <laughs> I think, I think, I think it's just really, really raw and really transparent when you share. Like, I don't know what possessed me to talk about Laura stealing a listing from me and selling it in five <laughs> days, like she did. But like, or the fact that you know I've made lots of mistakes in my career, but the truth is, I really do appreciate you being as transparent as you have been today. And I think the people that pay attention to the show are for sure because this is not a unique situation. It might be hard to talk about and put yourself out there and say, "Yeah, we messed up or we learned something." But this is something that happens to all teams of all sizes, all over the country, all different markets, all the time. And not even just real estate. Sure. Yeah, not even real estate. This I mean, has broad business applications. At, at the root of this is psychological and interpersonal relationships. I sure. Mean, that's really what it boils down to. So thank you again thank for you. coming in. Hopefully we didn't make you too uncomfortable and talk about things that you didn't want to. But um, give us give us a plug. Where can, where can people find you? 
Um, Kentucky Homes Group. Kentucky Homes Group uh, with Keller Williams. So Kentucky Homes Group uh, on Facebook. Web- website? Um, MyKentuckyHomeSearch.com. Fantastic. So. Well, again, for resource, Real Talk About Real Estate, Gabe will be back next Wednesday. That's right. 1 p.m. Uh-huh. live on Facebook. Um, in the meantime, you can catch this episode starting when Monday. The episode will be live wherever you get your podcasts on Monday. And of course, if you're watching live, you already know that you can watch full live episodes in our group on Facebook. If you're not already in the group, make sure to reach out to us to figure out how you can become a part of that exclusive agent only community. Absolutely. And of course, we've got video resources on YouTube too. You know where to find us. And, and if you are listening to this and you're not from Remax Premier Properties or my team here, the bulk of the group at this moment is, we're relatively new. But if you're with another firm and you know somebody in your office that would like to be a part of this and receive this stuff, just like I said, hit us on like DM through our Facebook page or on Instagram or our website, or you can find my email. I'm easy to find. Just yeah, we'll Google. get you in the group. We might even have you on the show. No, absolutely. And that's what we're about. We're about sharing information and spotlighting, you know, local prolific, local yeah. real prolific. estate professionals. I like it. She's going to change her business cards I after am. this. I'm about, to, I'm about to change that. So. I just gave somebody Pretty a excited name. about it. Prolific. I love it. All right. Well, hey, I'm Gabe Pruitt for Resource Real Talk about Louisville Real Estate. I'm Jay Pitts. We'll see you guys next week.